Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Welcome. Thanks for joining us in this episode of ASHP's podcast on medication safety, the podcast where we discuss current trends in medication safety, regulatory issues, and best practices that improve patient care. This is part of the ISMP Best Practice Podcast Series, supported by the Medication Safety SAG. My name is Christina Mahalik, and today we'll be chatting with Kimberly Maida, the Director of Medication Safety and Regulatory at Allegheny Health Network, and Michael Dehos, the System Medication Safety Officer at Methodist LeBonner Healthcare, about ISMP best practice number 16, minimizing risks associated with the use of overrides from automated dispensing cabinets. Thanks for joining us today. Since best practice 16 was a new best practice added to the 2020-2021 ISMP targeted medication safety best practices for hospitals, Mike, can you start us off by reviewing the topics covered by best practice 16? Sure thing, and great question, Chris. The overall topic of best practice 16 is the use and oversight of medication overrides related to automated dispensing cabinets. When you look at these guidelines, you'll see that there are four main components of best practice 16, including limiting the variety of medications that can be removed from an automated dispensing cabinet using the override function, Second, requiring a medication order prior to removing any medication from an automated dispensing cabinet, monitoring automated dispensing cabinet overrides to verify appropriateness, transcription of orders, and documentation of administration, and periodically reviewing for appropriateness the list of medications available using the override function. Kim, with so much emphasis on appropriate use of automated dispensing cabinets. What are the pros and cons of using this type of technology for dispensing? Yeah, absolutely, Chris. So most hospitals use some form of automated dispensing cabinets as a means of medication distribution. And and actually many hospitals and health systems are using this as their primary model for medication distribution. There are many advantages to using automated dispensing cabinets. Uh, Probably what our partners outside of the pharmacy really appreciate most is having medications readily available at the point of use. So if their patient is in pain, they're able to emergently or very quickly get a pain medication. Their patient has nausea, they're able to quickly treat their patient for nausea. Or even maintenance medications that are are very commonly used on the floor are readily available, eliminating that time frame to get from the pharmacy up to the floor. Uh, Second, there's the secure storage of medication and the tracking of inventory. As pharmacists, we really love having a transparency into the inventory that's up on the floor to be able to set PARs, to be able to ensure that the medications that are up on the floor are readily available, but also accounted for from the pharmacy standpoint. And finally, documentation of medication transactions. 
This can be used to tie medication administration to patients. It can be used as a diversion prevention, making sure that people are pulling the correct medications. Um, so a lot of different functionality from the documentation of medication transactions. However, if automated dispensing cabinets are not implemented or maintained correctly following best practices or what the manufacturer would recommend, patient safety can become a concern. So whether that's incorrect stock, PARs, inappropriate procedures and workarounds for using automated dispensing cabinets, that can result in medication errors and potentially in patient harm or death. There have been a few high-profile medication errors that were discovered to be related to the practice of overriding medications in this way, and they've resulted in either patient harm or death from the incorrect administration of medications. One of these medications errors included the incorrect administration of a paralyzing agent when a nurse pulled on override what she thought was Versed, but was actually Vecuronium, and the administration of the Vecuronium resulted in a fatal medication error. So ensuring your hospital is implementing, using, and optimizing the technology that they have supports patient safety. There are several documents available on the safe use of technology. These include documents such as the ASHP guidelines on the safe use of automated dispensing cabinets, the ASHP practice resource for automated dispensing cabinet overrides, and ISMP guidelines for the safe use of automated dispensing cabinets. Thanks, Kim, for that answer. Clearly, there are many advantages to use of ADCs, but also things that we need to keep in focus. Both inappropriate use and lack of monitoring of overrides are unsafe workarounds or procedures when we talk about the use of automated dispensing cabinets. Mike, with this being the focus of Best Practice 16, can you Talk to our listeners about the use of overrides. Of course. I think first it's really important for us as pharmacists and healthcare providers to really understand what we're talking about when we use this term override. Uh, really, the term override, when used by any healthcare professional, can mean several different scenarios. You know, on one side, it can mean the removing of a medication from an automated dispensing cabinet prior to an order being placed, or without an order, removing a medication that has an order from a non-profiled automated dispensing cabinet. Or thirdly, or removal of a medication from a profile machine that has an order, but is prior to the pharmacist review. You see, the, the commonality in these scenarios is that we are going around or removing a step, a critical step in the normal medication distribution process, whether that is the pharmacist review or use of clinical decision support, or sometimes even both. The removal of this inherently adds more risk to the medication use process, and when this is being completed in scenarios where uh, the patient condition does not warrant, it really creates issues with patient safety. Our, our belief is that as healthcare workers continue to become more familiar and comfortable with using automated dispensing cabinets, we're going to see an overuse of overrides, which often with a lack of perceived risk. Overrides become a normalized deviation in work practices for many reasons, and, and really overriding a medication removes checks and balances from the medication distribution and administration process. While there, there's all sorts of benefits to having the medication readily available in any type of emergency, 
Removing these checks and balances really does increase the risk of a medication error. And when these checks and balances are removed in situations that don't warrant emergent risk, the risk, in my opinion, and actually uh, in the opinion of the SAG, it really does not outweigh the benefit. Thanks, Mike. That was really great to help our listeners better understand the different meanings that the word override can have um, and what the risks are around it. So Kim, Mike gave us a nice overview of overrides. Can you take us in and give us a real world example of an override that might be inappropriate and what that process looks like? Yeah, so let's talk through a couple different examples to really emphasize um, why it's important to have our checks and balances in place when we're working with medications and medication administration. So in this example, we'll say that a provider places an order in the electronic medical record for some type of oral pain medication. This appears then in the verification queue for the pharmacist. The pharmacist reviews the medication order. This includes things like characteristics about the patient, the allergies, any previous use of pain medication, the dose of the medication, the route of the medication. And during this review, the pharmacist notes that the pain medication seems very high for uh, what the patient's experience has been with pain meds and, and what's going on with the patient. So they call the provider and they clarify the order and they discover during this conversation that the dose was incorrectly entered 10 times higher than what they thought it was. So instead of putting in 10, they put in 100. The order during this process is then changed again by the provider. It goes back to the pharmacist. It's verified by the pharmacist. And at this point in the process, this becomes available for the nurse to remove the medication from the ADC. So the nurse removes the medication and administers it to the patient. So this is a great example looking through how a multidisciplinary team can really provide the safest care for a patient by ensuring that we have safety checks and balances in place. Now, looking at the same scenario, if checks and balances are removed, including the pharmacist review, so say the same example, a provider orders an oral pain medication for a patient, and this is immediately available on override for the nurse to pull out for the patient. She wants to administer this to the patient as soon as possible as the patient is in pain, so she goes over to the ADC, pulls out the medication, and administers it to the patient. The pharmacist and the provider conversation are continuing on at the same time, and they discontinue and re-enter the order again for the new medication, but the nurse has already administered it to the patient, going over those checks and balances for the patient. So you see in this scenario how we're still able to determine the error and see where the error happened, but it's too late because it was already administered to the patient. Looking at a, a third scenario where, say, a verbal order enters, this scenario and the nurse enters a verbal order for an oral pain medication, it's immediately available in the ADC. So the nurse goes to the ADC, pulls the medication and administers it to the patient. And you see there, there are almost no safety checks in place. And that's a very large responsibility for a nurse to take on the full medication process for that patient. So you can see how we have these built in and the importance of making sure that people are utilizing these override functionalities with particular medications and in particular situations that make sense, but in all other circumstances are really sticking to that standard medication use process for administration where it goes through all of our different checks and balances. 
Yeah, Kim, three great examples. Using a medication that would likely be on somebody's override, could likely be on somebody's override list, um, and also one that could cause a lot of harm if, if used incorrectly. So thanks for those three examples. In fact, the first component of Best Practice 16 talks about limiting the variety of medications that can be removed from an ADC using that override functionality. Kim, can you further comment and provide some guidance for our audience on what types of medications should be included or not included on a typical ADC override list? Sure. So the best way to decrease unsafe overrides of medications is by limiting what medications are available on override. That seems simple, but it can be overlooked by hospitals or hospital systems, or they can spend less time than what they should to review and make meaningful changes and develop a process for reviewing and making these changes. Uh, One note to point for that is um, who is able to make changes for a medication that's overridable? Is that all of your staff or is that a limited number of staff? And making sure that you have this process in place, say, if if everybody's able to make changes, people could make changes that you're unaware of that could lead to unsafe events. So it's those type of details that people really need to look at to ensure that we're creating a a safe environment and we're creating a a very standard and small list of medications that are, are appropriate to be overrided. Most hospital systems limit what they're able to override to medications that are needed emergently. Now, the definition of what medications are needed emergently has to be defined by the specific organization, but it often includes medications like antidotes, reversal agents, any medication that would be considered life-sustaining, comfort measure medications, or medications that could be used for acute pain management uh, or intractable nausea and vomiting. Another consideration for your list includes the route of administration. Limiting medication to dosage forms with routes of administration that are immediate can help to decrease the number of medications on this override list. For example, your organization may determine that specific IV pain medications should be available on your override list for acute pain management, but that other oral and topical forms of pain medications should not. Now, this makes sense when we're considering the principles of either emergent life-sustaining medications that an oral or a topical form of a pain medication doesn't have an immediate onset of action. And so while we don't want to delay the time to administration for these these medications, we still want to make sure um, that they're not able to be gotten on override until they really go through all of those checks and balances that we talked about. It can be helpful for an organization to develop guidelines or a basic algorithm for medications that can or cannot be placed on override. The development of this type of document can help organizations to be consistent with what medications are available on override. ASHP has a practice resource for automated dispensing cabinets overrides that includes a basic decision tree for the use in determining if medications should be listed on their override. Now, this is a great starting point for organizations. You'd obviously have to tweak it to meet your specific patient needs the clinical needs of different care areas that you have throughout your organization, but it's a great place to start and really understand what we mean when we say we need to develop that standard algorithm. Another consideration is the location of your ADCs to take into consideration when you're looking at what medications are on override. 
Uh, many hospitals or health systems have multiple lists, so they'll have a standard override list that's generically throughout the hospital, and again, it includes those emergent meds, those life-sustaining meds, but there may be different areas where they require other additional medications. This can include an ICU, the emergency department, or even in your perioperative areas. Great, Kim. Lots of good guidance for our, our listeners. Now, the second part of the best practice is requiring a medication order prior to removing any medication from an ADC. Mike, can you talk about why this requirement's important and how an organization can help to support the implementation of this procedure? That's a great question. The removal of a medication from an automated dispensing cabinet without an order in anticipation of an order, but not for an emergency, is a really risky process that can result in incorrect medications being administered and confusion in treatment of the patient. Prior to pulling a medication, even if it is determined that the medication cannot wait for a pharmacist review, an order should really be placed to ensure safety. Uh, This can be accomplished through many different things, uh, primarily through an approved and established protocol or by a provider. While uh, a written or electronic medication orders are preferred, a verbal order or a telephone order, I do believe that they could be used if a delay in treatment would negatively impact the patient. Um, Organizational leaders, they should ensure staff are aware of all available features on the automated dispensing cabinets and ensuring staff are competent to use the override feature in emergent situations increases efficiency and ensures timely delivery of emergency medications to our patients. A lack of competency with the override function may result in a delay of care and patient harm. And and additionally, ensuring staff are aware of which medications or classes of medications are available on override may also contribute to more expeditious and timely medication administration and prevent patients' clinical status from deteriorating due to delayed administration time. Yeah, great, great. Good good comments there for our listeners. Thanks for that. The last two parts of the best practice focus on monitoring automated dispensing cabinet overrides, both on that medication order level and also at a global level to ensure that safe practices are being used. Kim, can you talk about why both of these types of monitoring are important? Yeah, so building on what Mike had just talked about with the requiring a medication order and and ideally prior to overriding that medication, the, the first part of monitoring includes looking at the medication order level to audit and ensure that that is happening. So making sure that healthcare providers are placing orders or giving verbal orders or telephone orders that are then being put into the electronic health record Um, to make sure that all of the documentation, uh, the transcription, and the administration of the medication are occurring that meets as as close to the process for the ideal medication administration as possible. So this audit really looks at the process and practices of overriding medications as well as the documentation of ensuring that the overrides are happening appropriately. The second part of monitoring includes the periodic review of the medication override list for appropriateness. And we talked a little bit about this earlier with ensuring that you have a process set up 
to have appropriate people making the changes, to ensuring that your list is appropriate at a global level as well as for specific care areas. But there's also an additional review that needs to be completed in more of a multidisciplinary fashion. So with changing clinical practice and patient needs in different care areas, uh, we really need to do that periodic review of the ADC medication override list to ensure that it's meeting the clinical needs and still limiting the risk by limiting the list as much as possible. So reviewing the ADC medication override list is best performed by a multidisciplinary group with recommendations being reviewed and approved ideally on an annual basis with the Pharmacy and Therapeutics Committee or the Medication Safety Committee. Now, including these different groups helps to ensure that you're getting the different aspects and, and the different opinions of people that are treating patients on the front line, but also people that are seeing what medication errors are happening across your hospital and if any of those are related to medications being override or workarounds for ADCs being developed. So really looking at the considerations for evaluation, and it should look at the continued need for emergent use. You know, do we still use this medication emergently? Any operational changes that have occurred to either the global model of distribution of medications or, you know, specific operations on that unit. Again, reported medication errors. I can't emphasize that enough is that we need to use the, the information that we're getting back from the frontline staff on what's happening to update the override list and ensure that we still have a safe list of overridable medications. Any type of identified workarounds or diversion that were related to this. And any, again, clinical safety concerns that are voiced in different ways. So maybe a medication error didn't happen, but maybe there are still concerns by the frontline staff that, you know, that these are, are not getting, you know, it's not being reviewed appropriately. Yeah, really good tips there, Kim, for our listeners on really trying to get at those last two components of the best practice. So thanks. Mike, can you share with the listeners some strategies to monitor overrides and also how you can make effective changes in real time? Sure. Well, just as Kim mentioned, we all need to review our automated dispensing cabinet work with a multidisciplinary team. This includes our nursing colleagues, pharmacists, physicians, and others who touch the medication use process. While a formal meeting should be implemented, such as a pharmacy and therapeutics committee or medication safety committee, while formal meetings should be implemented to review data, I recommend that a routine cadence call be established more frequently as a method to touch base on high-level projects and emergent issues so they can be escalated in as close to real time as possible. This could be performed through huddles or some type of weekly cadence amongst other key stakeholders. In addition, having a good relationship with your automated dispensing cabinet vendor, that really makes changes and monitoring data as smooth as possible. Because monitoring is such an important aspect to medication management in general, the Medication Safety Section Advisory Group of ASHP recommends that organizations develop some type of dashboard or scorecard for relevant metrics, and this could be performed in a number of different ways through automated electronic health record data sharing all the way to manual record keeping, such as uh, spreadsheets or other types of access database files. For more information, come check us out at the 2021 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting when Kim and I will talk a little bit more about the importance of multivariable dashboards. We hope to see you there.
Well, that's great. Um, and that's all the time we have today. I want to send a big thank you to Kim Maida and Mike Dehos for joining us today to discuss ISMP's Best Practice 16, reviewing the role and best practices around overrides and ADCs. Please check out the rest of the ISMP Best Practice podcast series supported by ASHP's Medication Safety SAG. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's Medication Safety Resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings such as the Patient Safety Resource Center, Patient Education Resources through safemedication.com, and exchange ideas and ask questions with your peers on the ASHP Medication Safety Connect community. Thanks again for tuning in to this session of ASHP's podcast on medication safety. And be sure to subscribe to the ASHP podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official. 